life as I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you, Father, that all these singles have gathered here to hear what you have to say to them concerning their life from this word. And I pray, Lord God, that even as I speak, that, Father, you would wear me like a glove, Lord God. That you'd be the substance of everything that's said, that they would hear your voice deeper and more forceful than they hear my own. That, Father, at the end of this day, that we will turn to you and give you all the glory for what's said and what's done in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen, amen, amen. You may grab your seats this morning. Man, it is so good to be in the singles service. I, uh, I am excited because uh, I know that uh, there's a whole lot of excitement in this room. Amen? Man, you guys are rearing to go like some Mustangs. And um, so... I'm pretty excited to talk to you. I want to let you know that yesterday I celebrated 17 years of marriage. Amen, amen. I tell you something, man. I, I want to give my wife a crown of patience for the endurance she has undergone gone dealing with me. Amen. I tell you, we are, we, when we got married, I knew she was Mrs. Wright. You know what I'm saying? Well, I do it. What I didn't know was that her first name was always. <laughs> You'll get that later. And, uh, and so I've had to learn over the years that my wife is an expert at all things. Hallelujah. <laughs> but even with that, one of the things that we've, we've never done is that we have never thought about uh, or discussed Divorce. It's never come up. It's like the D word. You know, for us, we just don't talk about it. We don't say it. We don't mention it. Never think about divorce. Murder, yes. <laughs> but divorce, never. And that kind of commitment is what really makes our marriage work. The, the, the thing is that we've really committed ourselves to never, ever giving up on the marriage. It's, it's, we have a, a, a phrase in our marriage. It says, no matter what. Say that with me. No matter what. It means no matter what, we're sticking it through. No matter what, we're going. And here's the thing. There's so many singles every single Saturday in this country and around the world who make these promises, right? This promise of commitment, this promise of everlasting. And they make these promises with all good intention but without the ability to keep. It's like a drunk guy that gets arrested. And he says, you know what? I had the right to remain silent. I just didn't have the ability. And a lot of people are like that. We make these commitments, but we have, don't have the ability to keep them. And here's why. Because they've made a promise that they have spent no time preparing for. Oh. By the way, this is a part of the message. <laughs> 
They've made promises that they haven't spent no time preparing for. And so, two people walk into a marriage and they hope that the promise will override their lack of preparation. You know, I've been, I've been running recently. And um, I can run one mile. Is that wild? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm really excited about that. But here's the thing. You know what? If I signed up for a marathon, having only ever run one mile, I may have really good intentions. But how many of you know that the lack of preparation would mean I wouldn't be able to finish? It don't matter how much I promise. The, the question is, how much have you prepared? A lot of times, what happens to us is that we go into it and we are hoping that the promise will prevail over the preparation. But that's not how it works. Come on, I want you to help, help me here now, singles. We're working with this. Alright? Most singles are, are there. So what they do is this. They think that if I do find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, then what will happen is that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right will make my lack of preparation disappear. Because they'll be good enough to keep my commitment for me. They think, when I found the one, and we have our song. <laughs> when we found that one, you know, that's what's going to make this work. And we buy into this myth that movies and television and music and all of this sells us. It says, if I meet and marry the right person, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Um, I want to show you an illustration. Oh, by the way, the, 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 the title of today's message is Looking for the Right One. Looking for the Right One. I want to uh, show you an illustration. Here, here's what a healthy marriage looks like. Um, when, when God brings two whole people together, then Jesus says, uh, one times one is one. Ever seen that? It's like one, the two shall become one. Okay, so what is this? This means a, a whole person, when they come together with another whole person, they equal a whole marriage. A whole healthy marriage. Well, what happens if uh, a whole person comes together with someone who isn't whole? What happens if a whole person comes together with somebody who is uh, bringing hurt and pain and issues into the marriage? What happens? A, a whole person and, and this half equals what? It equals half. And oftentimes what happens is that the person who is in the half position is hoping that the whole position can make up the difference. And they end up expecting that whole person to meet needs that they have that only God can meet. Um, but that's not the worst. There's worse than that. Here's what's worse. It's when one person with issues comes together with another person with issues. Watch this. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> uh, in fact, how many of you... Uh, how many of you experienced this? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you see what I'm saying? I hope you're not married right now, because then that would not be good to talk about. But what happens is that everybody brings their baggage into the marriage, and then, you know, your house is like hoarders, right? Like you just, you can't, whoa. <laughs> you're keeping all this stuff? Oh yeah, don't touch my stuff. So when, when, 
when you're not whole in him, you end up bringing that into the marriage. And here's what. People think they have marriage problems. They don't have marriage. Marriage is not a problem. People don't have marriage problems. People have people problems. And then the people with the problems bring the problems into the marriage. Problems that started when they were... Oh, there we go. <laughs> problems that started when they were singles. And so they end up in this marriage and they thought, but I thought this person was the right one until I got married to them. Then I realized they're the wrong one. And, and, and here's what, what happens with that. They thought you were the right one too. <laughs> so everybody's thinking everybody else is whole and everybody else is the right one. They end up and realize, hey, you aren't who I thought you were going to be. And all this kind of stuff. And then it becomes this problem where it's because we're buying to this myth. If I find the right one, I'll no longer have problems. And it's a myth. It's a lie. Let me tell you something. I almost didn't get married because I watched a movie. I was watching this movie. I was on the airplane. We were flying. And, uh, watching the, I was watching this movie. I was going back to college. And, you know, uh, Samantha, you know, she and I were dating for a while. And she was at home. And then this movie was talking about how this guy. And the guy said, well, I know this girl is the one because I felt something when I saw her. And, you know, with all these other girls I was with, there is something about her that just made me feel different. And some of I was going, I didn't feel that. <laughs> Maybe she's not the right one. And it's this myth, right? It's this myth that says, you've got to find the right one or it can't work. Are you hearing me? But the only way to avoid that whole idea of the right person, the only way, we're going to talk about how to avoid it, but we have to avoid it if we want to really have a great relationship and a great marriage. Because having a successful relationship isn't about finding the right person, it's about becoming the right person. And the sooner we figure that out, is the better off we'll be. This morning, uh, Pastor Sarah used an awesome illustration I'm going to use. I'm stealing it from her because we didn't talk. And she isn't here to tell me I can't use it. So I'm going to use it. But this morning, she showed uh, a, a, a couple of cars. The first one is called a Chevy Spark. Am I right? Look, look at this. Look at this car. Look at that car. Woo! Y'all don't seem too excited about that car. Man, this car brand new. Listen, they, uh, this car sold, there were thousands of these that were sold last year. And let me tell you something. This car goes for a whopping $12,000. Oh yeah. It makes a great first car. <laughs> Alright. Or it makes a second car, one that you can ride around town while the real car stays in the garage. It's wonderful. It's made with the lowest cost, paint, material, everything else. So you don't have to spend much to get it. You don't have to invest much to get it. In fact, you can use it and pass it on. It's pretty. It, it, 
That's the spark. And the thing about the spark is, anybody can buy one. You don't even have to have great credit. You can probably pick up one of these at the local car dealership. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times, we're looking for the right one, but we're acting like a spark. And we wonder why so many people are trying to drive us. You see, when you look at a spark, here's what goes through your mind. I can afford that. But then Pastor showed us a car called the Mayhan. Maybach. I stole the illustration, all right? It wasn't going to work out as smooth for me. Jeez. Maybach, Mayhan, but it was different. Eh? <laughs> Here's the thing about the Maybach. The Maybach, only one was made last year. Only one. Everything in this one car was custom designed. Everything. The paint is custom paint. You can't get that paint but the one place. The parts are all custom. You can't pick up these parts any and anywhere. The leather inside, everything is custom. This car sold for, catch this, $8 million. And it was sold too. But here's the thing with this car. You get a car like this, guess what? Every, you get, nobody going to eat in that car. No one lean on that car, touch that car. You're preserved. You're taking care of that car like it is like. You're like, man, that's the kind. No, that's the kind of car I'd like to drive. Amen. But here's the thing: a lot of us are looking for Maybox. That's what you call it. A lot of us are looking for Maybox, but we're only willing to be a spark. Man, we got our list. Oh, six foot three. Brown eyes. Muscles like Jordan. Well, I don't even know. That's probably old right there. I just probably just lost about 50% of you. Like, who? Like, all right, right, right. So, you know, we have this list. And guess what? We have this nice list. We have this Maybach list. But guess what? We don't have a list for ourselves. We don't have a list about how we need to be or what we need to become, but we know what he or she is supposed to look like. Come on now, talk to me. So here's, here's a question, here's a question, here's a question for you. Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? I want to say it again. Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for. Because oftentimes, we're looking for someone that we're not willing to become like in order to connect with. Wow. 
Oh, we want the girl with the nice, oh man, that girl always looking good, her hair right, her nails right, everything. I mean, she look, and she look hot in that day, but we don't even have a budget. So man of God, how you think you're going to keep her looking that way? Hello? Here's, here's, what I've, here's what I realize about Maybox and Sparks. Guess what? You ain't going to sit and park beside each other. Because where Maybox go, Sparks can't afford. And some of us are looking for a Maybox in all the wrong places. You're in Spark City, hoping that Maybox will drive in. Are you hearing me this morning? So here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. If you found the right one, would the right one see you as their right one? You got to ask yourself that. Because you see, the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about how to pursue and find the right one. But it talks a lot about how to become one worth pursuing. And if you can focus a little bit, if you can focus on becoming the right one, then you'll end up parking beside right ones all the time. Because they will see, listen, like attract, you don't attract who you want, you attract who you are. I'm telling you, a woman of God is looking for a man of God, not a man of club. So what do you want determines who you will become in order to find the one you want. Are you with me? Amen. So how do we do that? All right. First of all, oh my, look at my time. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The first thing that we've got to do in order to become the right one is stop childish thinking. Stop childish thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's, Here's what it says in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man or an adult, I put away what? Childish things. You see, one of the childish things we have to put away is this fairy tale life. You know what the fairy tales say all the time? If I can just get rid of the ugly stepsisters, the stepmother, the wicked queen, and all that, if I can just get and get the right one to the princess, they will live. Come on, they will live. Yeah, and this, this is how we think. We think once we find the right one, we will live happily ever after. There's a problem with that is there are a lot of married folks that think that way. And what happens is that all they had between them was like chemistry. And um, then they got married and then the chemistry started to kind of like dwindle because they found that, you know, the right one wasn't as right as they thought. And so then what happens is that the lady says, you know what, I know how I can get the chemistry back, right? Usually the lady does this. She says, I know what I can do. Um, we'll have a baby. <laughs> and then the man says, um, well, it involves sex, so Okay. And so what they do is bring a third person into a marriage where neither one are the right one. 
and now the third person comes in and they think this is a formula for success. It doesn't work. What works is this. When I realize, hey, finding the right one isn't what my goal is. My goal is becoming the right one because if I become the right one, I can be the right one to someone else. That's the goal. Because finding the right one mentality really is all about what about me? I need someone to meet my needs. It's a whole mentality that says, look, I need someone who's going to fix my need for security and loneliness and being controlled by my mama. Hallelujah, I need to get out of this house anyway, so somebody just please marry me. I need some, uh, a need for security, a need for, you, you know, a need for sex. So guess what? I just need, and all, it's all about what can I get? It's about me and what I can take from the relationship. Becoming the right one says, what am I building so I can give to the relationship? You see, that's the way we go about it. If, if you want the right one, become the right one. Because you become now, you're not attracting what you want. You're attracting who you are. Don't focus on pursuing. Focus on becoming. Tell the person beside you, focus on becoming. Focus on becoming. Amen. Amen. Are you the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? If the answer is no, then chances are that you won't meet them. And if you do meet them, they probably won't be attracted to you. Uh, yeah. So, you know what? If you're in between relationships right now, let me give you some advice. Practice becoming the right one. Practice becoming the right one. You say, how do you do that? Well, let's, uh, let's look at, at what? 1 Corinthians 13. Jump up to verse 4. We're going to go backwards. Jump up to verse 4. How you do it is, first of all, you start loving maturely or start mature loving. Here's what it says in, in the New Living. I love this. It says, love... So, can you change that to New Living? You have New Living um, back there? This is where... Uh, we say this at weddings all the time, but this is where Paul is talking about what love really means. And here's what he says. Love is... What's the first word? Patient. All right. So, so here's the deal, guys. I'm going to tell you a secret. If you're not patient with anyone now, you're not going to be patient with the one later. Okay, here's what doesn't happen because my, I have a teenage daughter and this is what she thinks. I said to her, hey, you know what? The way you're treating your brother now is how you're going to treat your husband. She says, oh no. <laughs> my husband not going to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife in the background just laughs. Ha <laughs> Oh, I know a whole lot better than you. All right, here's, here's the thing. You think that when the right person comes, they will be so right that none of your bad habits are going to show up. That don't work. If you're impatient with your co-workers, you're going to be impatient with your husband or your wife. If you're impatient with your parents, believe me, you're going to be impatient with them. Because the people you live with now are being treated the way you will treat the people you live with later. It don't matter the relationship. All they have to do is live with you. And they'll see. Amen? Love is what? Patient. And here's the next one. Love is 
kind man. It means considerate of others. Like really thoughtful. Like, hey, would you like? And how can I help? And hey, is there anything I can do? Like love is kind. And if you don't have this kind of, hey, let me work on this kindness issue, then what happens is that you bring it into the marriage and you're mean. And people wonder, how can these two people who are so in love, five years later are just like against each other because they never grew in love they thought I fell in love and because I fell in love it took care of all that this don't get taken care of by falling in love you've got to grow in this that's what maturity does it's a growth process here's the next one love is not ah I can't even say the word jealous I mean, jealousy, you, I mean, okay, you're single, you don't even know this, but you know, marriage people sometimes keep score. Sometimes they go, man, if I'm not happy, you can't be happy. Man, if I'm not enjoying myself right now, you need to work too. I had to spend, uh, I had to be at, 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 ho- at work late. What are you doing at home? Watching TV? I work, I'm, I'm at home and you're watching TV. Is it, mar- married people get weird. Jealous. In other words, they can't be happy for the blessing of somebody else. That's the opposite of jealousy. It's being able to celebrate somebody else. And if you can't do this, if you're that kind of person that says, Hey man, you know what? I, I got this guy, I just don't want him talking to anybody else but me. You got an issue right here. Not jealous, it's not boastful. Guys, you know, when you go out on the date and you wear the cut-off sleeve just so you can... And you stand, you know, you stand up and you say, hey, can I have the bill? <laughs> hey, man, here's a tip. Like when you do that stuff, right? No, love is not boastful. It's not proud. Watch this next one. Watch this. Uh, verse 5. It says, it's not rude. Okay? It does not demand. Watch this. It's own way. If you're demanding your own way, no, you're going to do it with your spouse. It's not irritable it keeps here it is no record of being wronged man sometimes you know we read this kind of stuff and we go man but when I get married I'll change (laughs) When, when it all happens for me I'll change that's not how it works that's not how it works the way you treat people now reflects how you'll treat people later. And let me tell you something. If you're in a relationship with someone who treats everyone this way except you, trust me, be ye warned. It's all a guy's. It's the mask, man. Happily ever after is about becoming the right person, not finding the right person. Here, here's, here's the third step. First thing is stop childish thinking. Second step, start mature loving. Here's the third step. Step on the right path. Proverbs 14 verse uh, 8. I just want to throw it up on the screen. Uh, Proverbs 14 verse 8. It is so cool because uh, this is talking about wise people versus foolish people. And here's what it says. The wise person or the prudent understand where they're going. They understand their steps. But the fools deceive themselves. 
In other words, here's what a wise person does. They evaluate where they're coming from. They see the choices they're making. And they have determined, based on that, I know exactly where I'm going. And if I need to make some adjustments, I will. But the fool says, it doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter where I'm going. As soon as I find the right person, magic will happen. And because magic will happen, all of a sudden, I'll become responsible. I'll get a budget once I get married. You know what? I can't wait to get married so I can stop watching porn. I shouldn't have said that. Man, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait till I get married so I can get my devotion life right. Because, you know, then I'll have someone to keep me accountable. Hey! Plus, they're more spiritual anyway. And they're thinking, he's more spiritual anyway. Well, all right. So there's a deception that lives in the hearts of fools that say, hey, no matter how I live now, once I get married, everything will change. Here's a look at verse 15. Because it kind of says the same thing. But look at this. The simple believes every word. In other words, the simple believes anything. You can throw anything out to the simple person. They go, oh, okay, all right. You know, that movie must be right. That song was right, you know. You know, yeah, let, you know, once I find a girl, yeah, all right. But the prudent considers well his steps. Right? That's why, you know that old song, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Right there. Because they just believe anything. Oh, I'm the most beautiful person. Oh, thank you. Oh. You're, the, you're so strong. You know what I mean? Like, it's fools believe it. But a prudent considers well. He steps. He thinks, hey, what am I going? You see, a person's past is a greater predictor of where they're going than their promises. So when you're with that person and they're telling you, oh yeah, well once we get together, I'll stop. Let me tell you something. Don't be a fool. Because fools only listen to words, whereas prudent people look at ways. And your ways are more predictive than your words. So it don't matter what they say. You've got to look at what they do. And if they're treating their mother wrong, they're going to treat you wrong too. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If they have an anger issue now, they'll have an anger issue then. You need to deal with it now before it gets to then. Because when you get to then, it's harder to deal with. Y'all don't want to hear this because, you know, I'm breaking up some relationships right now. Where they have been indicates where they're going. It's not their words. It's their lifestyle. So when they get to that altar and they say, I do. Man, if they couldn't keep a consistent relationship before, they ain't going to keep this one either. <sighs> Alright, so let me tell you five steps real quick of getting on the right, right path. Number one, resolve childhood and other past issues. You want a healthy marriage. Let me tell you, you've got to resolve them childhood issues. Look, if your parents were divorced, if you had a father who was absent, if your mother was controlling, you have childhood what? Issues. Listen, it's normal, but it's not healthy. I'm going to say it again. It's normal, but it's not what? 
healthy. It should not, uh, it's like, look, if you have the flu, that may be normal and maybe everybody's catching it, but that don't mean it's healthy. This is what we think sometimes. Oh, well, other people have been divorced and, uh, and um, you know, parents have been divorced and, and they made it. That, that don't matter. The point is, you need to deal with your childhood issues. Uh, this is what happens. Um, when you're a child, no, that was good. That other thing that you had up there was good. When you're a child, you have anger towards your parent. And so when that thing doesn't get resolved, you said, the Bible says this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians 5, 26. Here's what it says. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil a place. Here's what that means. It means of every single era or time period in your life, there's a time when the sun rose and the sun set. There's a time the sun rose on your childhood and it set on your childhood and you became an adolescent. There's a time the sun rose on your adolescence and it set on your adolescence. There's a time the sun rose on your first marriage and it set on your first marriage. Are you hearing me so far? Here, here's the deal. If you don't deal with the anger within the time of that period, you carry that anger into the next period of your life. And the further you carry it into your life is the, more, uh, is the more difficult for you to remember where it started. And so if you're in your uh, marriage now or if you're looking to get married now and you haven't dealt with something that happened four or five eras and sunsets ago, you don't even know that the reason you respond to the person when they said, hey, I just like to be at places um, early. And you... And they're going, I, all I said was early. And they have no idea, and you have no idea, but it's something that happened back here in your childhood. And instead of you just being angry at your parent, here's what happens. You know your spouse hmm. becomes the person in that spot. And you think, but I'm not going to marry somebody like my daddy. I ain't going to marry somebody like my mommy. It don't matter. Because anything they do that reminds you of them triggers something in you that you didn't even know you had. So resolve your past issues. Resolve the issue of your past relationship. Resolve that. You need to forgive. Tell the person beside you, you need to forgive. I'm telling you, let me tell you why, let me tell you why. Because the number one thing you can do to prepare for a lifetime of commitment is to become whole and healthy. And that means addressing these issues in your life because you don't want to be the half one going into the relationship. Alright, number two, number two. Get out of debt. Somebody say Amen. I mean, nowadays, sometimes when you're dating somebody, you have to ask them for their credit score. Hey man, before we go any further, I just want to know, are you like a 700 or a 350? Like we need to, let's work this out right now because I, you know what, like I don't want to have to like make up the difference and then like half mine so I can, like this don't work. So give me the credit score. Here's the deal. You can get out of debt a lot quicker as a single than you can as a married person. Oh, believe me. Somehow debt multiplies when you add them together. I don't get it. 
But somehow when you carry your debt in with their debt, all of a sudden it's a huge debt. Like it's major. And somehow you end up going, how did you live by yourself with all these things? I'm paying for you. Like you didn't, you'll go here just every week? Oh my gosh. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. That's how they got in debt, by the way, in the first place. Just letting you know. It was that hairdresser every week. Hallelujah. While they were looking. Uh, here, Salon. Thank you. While they were looking for the right person. Amen. They were pursuing in debt. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, number three. Break bad habits now. Uh, marriage will not break your bad habits for you. If anything, they will magnify them. Because now, the only person you're doing the bad habits to is you. But when the other person comes and they say, oh, you do that? Oh my gosh. Now you feel guilt on top of that? And now it becomes tough because now you have to hide with the bad habit? And then you're just like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It gets really rough. So here's, here's the deal. Uh, deal with the bad habits now. The good things get better in marriage, but the bad things get, oh yeah, oh yeah. So if you have a bad habit now, guess what? You'll have a bad habit with a spouse. Uh, number four, slow down the process. Somebody says, slow down. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7 says, Do not awaken or arouse love before it's time. That's serious right there. It's saying, guess what? There's a time for this stuff, but guess what? You need to just stop. And here's why you need to stop. Here's why I need to stop. Not because God is trying to take the fun away, but here's what it is. There's a difference between sex and intimacy. And what everyone really wants is intimacy because intimacy makes sex better. I want you to hear this. Intimacy is knowing and being known fully without any shame without any disgrace, without any guilt. It is me knowing my wife fully, who she is, her wants, desires, likes, dislikes, past, her dreams. It's me knowing her fully and she knowing me fully to the point where there is no disgrace, no shame. Like, you know all of this. I'm so transparent before you and you love me. And when you're in that context of marriage and you know each other at that level, guess what? Then sex becomes the culmination of intimacy. Here's what happens. When you put sex before intimacy, it creates shame and it causes the person to close up with their intimacy and cut you off so that it only becomes a physical act without the emotional connection. And that is why if someone has been raped or abused sexually, it becomes an issue right up to the future because the shame began and was connected to sex. It was sex without intimacy. And I'm not going to preach Pastor Evan's message on sex. I'm just telling you something that you need to slow down. 
Because if you choose to abstain, here's what happens. You start to grow in intimacy with each other so that when things happen in the future, you now are making love to somebody that you fully know. Not just body, but spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together and clap the Lord for that. So here, here's part of slowing down. Don't pray alone together. I know, I know he's spiritual and she's spiritual, but guess what? When you pray alone together, you're opening up your spirits with each other, and guess what? You're starting to draw closer, faster than you really need to. You need to stop praying alone together. Hello! That doesn't even sound Christian right there, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Stop praying alone together. And especially don't pray about your bad habits together. Well, you know, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling with this porn. Can you just pray with me? You, you, you don't need to pray with her. She started thinking, oh, well, you know, it's probably because you just need somebody. We're going to move on because, you know, uh, that, that's serious right there. Don't spend time alone together where nobody else can see about you. Especially if there's a bed nearby. Couch, car seat. Stay accountable. Stay accountable. Stay accountable. Here's the last step. Last thing. Be involved in church. Why? Because that's where all the Maybachs are. That's where they are. They're serving somewhere. They're in a true group somewhere. They're connected somewhere. They have people who are over them. There are people they are submitted to. There are people they have accountability with. They have people they are in relationship with. Guess what? When you get connected with them, you get connected with the entire company. And that's good. That's real good. You need that. Because that's what's going to ensure that you're moving in the same direction with the person that you're hoping to marry. So guys, here's the deal. It really comes down to this. Become the one and stop looking for the one. I'm going to throw out a challenge. And here's the challenge I'm going to throw out. There are some of you here, let me tell you, most of you will not take on this challenge. Because it's going to be tough. There's some of you who are going to take me up on this. And this is going to help you a whole lot. Some of you need to take out your phones and go to your calendar and find one year, the date one year from today. And you need to write in that box and put an alarm on it that says, Start dating today. See what I mean? Some of y'all need this. You need this. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to spend the next year saying, God, I'm going to become who the person I'm looking for is looking for. I'm going to spend the next year and grow and develop and become the man or the woman of God that I know 
I need to be in order to walk in step with the person I'm looking for. I'm going to spend the next year, and I'm done with this uh, playing around with all these sparks. I'm done with that. It's Maybach time. It's Maybach time. It's Maybach time. Because I tell you this, it takes a long time to build a Maybach. But them sparks come off the assembly line like this. Anybody can ride a Maybach, I mean a spark. So here's the deal. You spend, and here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. In about three or four or five months, you're going to see another Maybach. And you're going to see the one. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to remember the commitment. And you're going to go, oh man, but, 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 but Lord. And the Lord's going to say, give me the year. You, to, you told me you were going to give me the year. Give me the year. And what's going to happen is this. You and the one are going to grow together without any commitments. Without any, oh, I like it, you're mine and I'm yours and we're this and we're that. No labels and none of that. And by the time the year ends, you would have come to know the person in such a way that there's no longer any time for pretense or trying to impress or trying to put your best foot forward because guess what? This person knew me just as I am. That is going to be the right one. Right there. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me.